Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston sits down for a conversation with a couple of Heartlight's teens. For the past two decades, Heartlight has become the country's premier residential counseling center and boarding school for struggling teens. Founded in 1998 by Mark Gregston and his wife, Jan, Heartlight is a program that not only modifies behavior, but one that seeks to offer a unique transformative journey through a relational experience that offers counseling, small group therapy, academics, and activities. We hope you find encouragement as you listen to these stories today. Hey, Grant, thanks for being a part of the program. Tell me a little bit, where are you from? From Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. So a good Texan sitting across from me then. And so how did you ever end up at Heartlight? What was going on that kind of got you here that your parents said, okay, we got to do something different? Uh, It was mostly just rebelling against my parents and running away mostly. I would get into arguments with my parents and just think that it was better for me not to be home and would just run away and stay with friends. And so what were those fights about? What did, I mean, what was that kind of like? Just like disagreeing on their rules and like just little things like curfew and chores and just stuff like that. You think you ought to be able to stay out all night and yeah. not come home and do what you want to do? And, yes, sir. And then when they'd say, <laughs> when they'd say, no, you have to mow the yard and do all that stuff, you're going, no, I'd rather be with friends and stuff. Yes, sir. Doing stuff you shouldn't have been doing? Yes. Like what? Uh, like smoking and drinking and going to parties. You think that was confusing your head a little bit? For sure, Yes. And so was it rebellion, you think, that— Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. And was it just anything your parents would say? You'd go, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing it? It was—well, yeah, it was mostly rebellion. It's just like I didn't didn't agree with all their rules that they had. Do you think they were too controlling? Yeah, very much. And so did other friends have more freedoms and stuff, and you wanted some of that? Exactly, yes. That's Okay, so how old are you? I'm 16. Yeah, so I mean, you're getting the age where I mean, it's I give me the car, I can go out and do things yeah, and, and run around. They put like an 8:30 curfew on me every night, and I like I'd see my friends staying out till 10 or 11. Yeah, just having fun, and I don't know, I just wanted to be like them. Do you think your parents were scared? Yes, they were. And and that's what it was like, be home at five o'clock or something. I mean, or was it that uh, they just were? They just didn't get it right. They just thought, ah, I don't know what to do here. I think they were more scared, like just scared for me and scared like what I was getting into when I wasn't at home. So did they know what you were doing? Uh, they did not know. And so how did they find out? They found uh, they found stuff in my room. Yeah. And then they they wanted to ground me for the rest of the summer which I didn't like. So then that sent me on this like rebellious phase, which I just started running away from home and trying to live with friends for the rest of high school. And yeah, yeah, that didn't work out too good. It did not. No. Why not? Well, I mean, I was doing pretty fine. And then one day I went, I went home to try and work things out because my parents wanted to talk to me. Yeah. And, uh, 
I was talking to them in the backyard and the transporters. That's when the transporters showed up. Oh, so kind of a surprise. Yeah, it was very much a surprise. Wow. Wow. Okay, so how long have you been here? Been here six weeks tomorrow. Yeah, so you're, you're still counting the days. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Has your head started to clear any? Oh, for sure, yes. And, I mean, so when you're looking at yourself going, okay, I'm. are you thinking differently? Yes, definitely. In what ways? I don't know. I just, like, I see the importance of, like, school and, like, building relationships and stuff like that now, yeah. which I didn't before. Okay, so l- let me back up to that. To, y- you want to be with friends smoking and, and drinking and, you know, everything else that's in a country song. And, and I mean, doing all the stuff, but is there something you're looking for in that? I mean, is it getting drunk so that you don't have to think about pain in your life? Or was it just doing things because you wanted to engage with other people? It's mainly just engaging with other people just to, like, kind of fit in and have the high school experience, I guess. Okay, so now you're here six weeks, and you're looking back on a a transport company picking you up. And for people who don't know, when a parent is scared out of their mind and doesn't know what to do, then sometimes they'll hire somebody to pick up their child and bring them to us. And, And we kind of discourage that. But yet we know that it happens because just parents are scared that they may not see their child again, so they'll do whatever. And mm-hmm. so, but okay, so in that six weeks, I mean, how do you look at things now, your parents' decision? I mean, when they said, okay, this is what's going to happen, how do you look at that now? Would you have done the same thing or would you have done it different? Or, I mean, of course, I don't, I don't like being here. No kid is, but yeah. I'm also grateful for them sending me here because like it has helped me a lot even in the six weeks that I've been here wow wow like how I just like kept me sober it's um I feel like like I have people that I can trust to talk to and yeah, yeah. I don't know I just feel very different than I did well, back home yeah you know the mere fact that you're just sober yeah it's makes you think differently. For you sure. You know, I mean, and I, I think the key thing would be what's driving the need to get drunk or whatever. It, it's usually not just friends. Are there other things that you're going, okay, there's other unresolved things in my life I may need to deal with? Um, Yeah, a little bit was just to like the smoking and drinking. It would like it was to kind of it was a coping skill and to like cover up my feelings of what was going on back home but i would say it was mostly just to like fit in and just yeah, be yeah. with my friends okay so the coping part of that because uh, i i understand the one part just yeah. everybody wants to fit in with everybody else the coping thing was it was what you were coping with did it have more to do with the fact that you were losing the relationship with your parents yes and so that was hard for you? That was that was very hard for me. Like I I couldn't even talk to my friends about it without just bawling my eyes out. Mm. Like it was always in the back of my mind. That you're losing the relationship? Yeah. Do you ever think back to when you had time with your mom and dad and there were really good times and Yeah, and I I still do here and I wish I could go back to them. Yeah. Did they know that? Would they believe that? I'm sure they would, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what they're fighting for, too, is how it used to be. And that's what, 
you're wanting and longing for. So you can kind of see their response of why they would do whatever they need to do to get yeah. get their son back, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think it's always asking that question, what's driving all of that, those unresolved issues? What is it that that you would be so strong to do what you were doing and risk losing a relationship with your parents? That's That means there's something driving the drinking and the, everything else. You know, it's driving it pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, like I, I started smoking. It was around freshman year. I never really caught a break from it. Like, it started getting pretty heavy. And I would almost say it was an addiction almost. Mm-hmm. And I just, no matter how much I st- I tried to stop, I just couldn't. Just a real dependency. Yeah. And stuff. Yes. And you think that's what kind of spiraled thinking. It was just easier to get high the next time and the next time and the next time. And yeah. so, Wow. Well, I can see why your parents were scared, yeah. you know. But I, but what I hear you saying also that you long to have that relationship with them. I think it's kind of figuring out how do I do both? Mm-hmm. How do I fit in with people and at the same time maintain the relationship? And if that happens, then maybe they don't have to be as controlling, mm-hmm. you know, where they're telling you to be in at 4.30 in the afternoon. No, I'm sorry, 8.30 yes, at night and stuff. So, Grant, thanks for being a part of the program. I, you know, I, I think that, that – um, I think that there are parents listening everywhere that don't quite understand why people do what they do mm-hmm. or why their child does what they do. And I think listening to what you're saying and hearing that longing for a relationship is important. I mean, for them to hear that even though your child's messing up and making some poor choices, they really do want to have a relationship with their parents. Yes, for sure. You think? Yes. You love your parents? Yes, I do. You think they love you? Yes. Well, then you guys are off on a good road and you're going to do well. It'll be cool. Thanks for being a part of the program. Thank you for having me. Over the years, Mark Gregston's one-liners and devotional insights have been a source of encouragement, amusement, and inspiration for people all over the world. Now, The very best of these quotations have been collected into not one, not two, but three beautifully designed coffee table books that can be given as gifts, placed in a doctor's office, or placed in your own living room. Whether you're looking for wit, wisdom, encouragement, or even a challenge to dig deeper into the vital role of parents, all three volumes of Stepping Stones will deliver. Each beautifully bound hardback of Stepping Stones is $7.99 or you can get all three for $19.99. Visit ParentingTeenResources.org to get all three volumes of Stepping Stones today. Well, Harrison, thanks for being a part of the program. Um, <laughs> it's good to talk to you. I'm sitting here. You got a hood on, and you got your hair up in a little—I don't even know—I call it a piglet ponytail. Yeah, you know, ponytail or the... something—a forward ponytail. <laughs> you seem like a pretty normal guy. I mean, it. how did you end up at Heartlight? Well, um, I just had a lot of rough stuff happen in my life and uh, really kind of self, I would guess, medicate. Just kind of got into a lot of drugs and kind of just lost control. And my parents were just desperate to find any way to kind of save me from myself. Wow. So, when did the drug stuff start? Um, Probably more towards the end of eighth grade year, I started smoking uh, marijuana, and then 
sophomore year, I started getting into like heavier stuff. Eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Remember the first time you did? Uh, yeah, it was with one of my friends who was a freshman. Went. He lives in Carmel, which is by Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. We went out there. And I mean, what do you think afterwards? I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, I don't, I feel really happy. And like, I hadn't felt happy in a while. So, yeah. So, so, because I, I think it's a setup sometimes. Mm-hmm. If things aren't going well, then you, everybody looks for something that'll make them mm-hmm. happy. What was going so wrong? What was going so bad? Uh, I just been really betrayed by a lot of people in my life. Oh, wow. And more specifically, recently in that time, I was very young. I was about 15. And then there was like a early life pregnancy with a girlfriend of mine. Wow. Mm hmm. 15. Mm-hmm. And so that's a shocker. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, I mean, who would have thought that, that that's, uh, so did, did everybody just call the thing off? You're not going to see her anymore? You're not going to do anything? Or We kept it hidden for uh, some time yeah. just because we were kind of afraid of what was going to happen. Uh, but after her parents found out, it was basically how it went. And wow. And they just don't want you around her anymore. Mm-hmm. And okay. as a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was shocked. I was married, and I was shocked when my wife said she was pregnant for the first. I was going, "My goodness, you got to be kidding!" I can't imagine what it would be at fifteen. So, yeah, it was really rough. It just made me question a lot of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So the 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 pot, the doing other stuff, that starts happening. How do you? So you're not doing that now. Mm-hmm. So how do you reconcile the feelings? The feelings that you were covering up, or the hurt that you were covering up, how do you how do you deal with that now when you don't have the pot and everything else to kind of remedy it? Well, one of my biggest issues with it all is I didn't know. I'm sure everybody's heard the saying, like, it's okay to not be okay. I didn't know how to do that. I was like, oh, there's wow. something wrong with me. I can't handle it. I'm weak. Yeah. Just a lot, of, a lot of really untrue thoughts like that. And I've just kind of learned to be like, if that comes to my mind, like, that's not true. That's not it's not accurate. It's everybody has stuff in their life, and I dealt with yeah. some pretty serious things, and I have like the right to, to be upset and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said there was a book when I was in my twenties that came out, and it was "I'm Okay, You're Okay," and then when I got in my thirties, uh, I wanted to write a book called "I'm Okay, You're Not," <laughs> and then in my forties, I wanted to write a book called "I'm Not Okay," and neither are you. And when, when I turned fifty, it was the title was going to be. Um, I'm not okay, and I don't care anymore. You know, so I I think it took me till I was 50 years old to kind of figure out how to be comfortable with failure and not measuring up and all that other stuff. Now it doesn't even bother me, but I mean, but I I just can't imagine early on with all that. So so when you learn how to deal, how do you do that? How do you? Uh, for me personally, when I see myself in spots where I'm thinking things that are negative and I shouldn't, it helps me to write them down just to kind of hmm. see my thoughts visually yeah. and be able to like, that's not accurate. I know it's not. I know that like I'm worth something. I know that I I have been able to deal with these things properly. And I have like I, a lot of people couldn't do that. Like I'm strong. Wow. I'm strong with that. So you just beat yourself up a lot. Mm hmm. It was one of my biggest problems. That was my worst enemy. Have you always been that way? Mm-hmm. Since like first grade, second grade? Yeah, you would... was, that was always my biggest problem. So you're just wired that way mm-hmm. to, to beat yourself up. Yeah, that's how it is. And it's 
it's kind of rough. Wow. So do you, do you now get depressed over it, or is it just you just have to work it through to to keep it from happening? I have to. It's not something that I choose to be upset about because it's like I can I can I can change this. Like I can't change it. Yeah. But I can I can sure try to control it. Control it. Because wow. you can only control yourself and your responses in this world. Yeah, you can't really yeah, control yeah. anything else. So it's amazing because I I wouldn't think that about you. I mean, I just from seeing you here and. I just, I, it wouldn't be on my mind to go, this guy gets down on himself all the time because you're funny and everybody loves you and, and uh, the girls love you to death. <laughs> so whatever you're doing, keep doing it, you know? And, and I mean, because they're always joking with you and they love engaging with you. And I go, you've got to experience relationships at a different level here, I think, mm-hmm. haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Like the relation, I talked to my parents about this the last time I went mm-hmm. home is, uh, like the friends that I make here, the relationships that are built here are just a lot more open and honest and you're just very see-through with the people that are here because it's a safe place and you yeah. can just, you can, you're just trusting because you're like, this is just the, the relationship that was built in the environment and yeah. you just have all these supportive people around you. You think people like you more because of your perfections or they're attracted to you because of your imperfections? I... I know that's kind of on the spot, yeah. but what do you think? I would say, for me, I I actually enjoy imperfections more because nobody's perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. Yeah, and like imperfections are what make people themselves because everybody's got shortcomings. Yeah, yeah. And it's just really how you how you handle it. So if yeah, and if somebody's like, oh well, I don't like you for your imperfections, and that's a them thing. Yeah, you know, I'm not so sure that people like me for any perfection because there is none in me. But mm-hmm. but. It's the imperfections. It's the mess that I am. Because I think what happens is it brings out a genuineness mm-hmm. and an authenticity, which everybody wants in relationships. And um, so it, it, it's kind of funny. You're fighting the very thing that makes you genuine and authentic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's – like I said, it's a, it's a constant battle. It's really it's, – it's something that I've been working on. It's gotten a lot better because a lot of the times when those things come around with myself, it's just I can shoot them out of my head where before it was just really difficult. And wow. it's almost become just second nature. Like, no, that's not right. Yeah. So what, so you, what could parents do? What could your parents have done to help with that when you started feeling those things? Well, for me personally, uh, my parents would get upset. They would kind of lose their – parent love you know they would be a, they'd be because you know they it's because they were scared to death really yeah 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 yeah. and they just they kind of went into like they went into like attack mode they were just like you can't be doing this stuff and it just i was like i just felt more shame about it and yeah, just put yeah, me yeah. in a worse spot yeah so just one thing is just to remember to always be just tender and like loving yeah and just let let like letting me know like we still love you because you know i've always heard that shaming has an amazing way of pushing mm-hmm. people further into whatever they're doing Mm-hmm. think that's true i i definitely do because it did for me and yeah. a lot of the stories from my friends i've heard it has for them too and it's not even a purposeful shaming like oh you're so bad you did this it's just you have to be really careful with what you say to like yeah. your child just because yeah like no matter like what parent parents impact like their words have some of the greatest impacts for words sure. matter words mm-hmm. matter wow so are you getting along with your mom and dad now? Oh yeah, for sure. It's our relationship's better than been better than it ever has been. I can be honest with them about things. They can be honest with me about things. Wow. They trust me again finally. That's cool. Yeah, That's it's cool. really great. Oh cool. You love them? Mm-hmm. They love you. You know that? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. That's cool. Because if you sit here and tell me, no, I hate them, then it <laughs> it's kind of just ruined our whole program. So. <laughs>
anyway hey thanks man thanks for sharing your story thanks for listening to parenting today's teens for more information visit parentingtodaysteens.org and to learn more about heartlight visit heartlightministries.org If this podcast has been helpful in your life and family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.